This is Soccer News IV. Soccer News IV. It's in your veins. Brought to you by Soccerom.com. From Bumblebee to high school to college to the pros, before the best coaches go to practice, they go to Soccerom.com. Hello and welcome. I'm Stephen Parr, the host of Soccer News IV. This is going to be an abbreviated podcast this week. I'll get you caught up on all the news and notes, but I won't have much of a game wrap or a schedule. We'll get back into that stuff next week as we start focusing on the race for the playoffs. In the meantime, here's our top story. Well, it's been a good couple of weeks for MLS, the All-Star team and DC United, which is almost redundant, by the way, that both those teams had good performances against the biggest clubs in the world, at least two of the biggest clubs. The All-Star game against Chelsea was sold out. So was D.C. United's exhibition match against Real Madrid and David Beckham. That game took place in Seattle, Washington, not Washington, D.C. And Chivas, USA, and the New England Revolution played before the largest crowd ever to see an MLS match, 92,650. It was part of a double header with CD Chivas of Mexico and FC Barcelona of Spain. Now, not only did a lot of people watch MLS teams, most of those teams played well. The All-Stars beat Chelsea 1-0. It was the first time ever we had a a shutout in an All-Star game. It also earned MLS players a bit of respect from fans and the media. We didn't earn any respect from Chelsea's coach, Jose Marino. He, he wasn't impressed. He said, basically, his team lost because they were out of shape, not because the MLS players played well. He didn't give Dwayne De Rosario credit for his perfect world-class blast, which scored the goal. He didn't give De Rosario's teammate Eddie Robinson credit for his hustle in saving a would-be goal off the line. Instead, he complained that Dieter Drogba's first half goal was called back for offsides. Well, Jose watched the replay. Drogba was offsides, and that's why they called the goal back. While you're at it, watch your post-game interviews again. You sounded like a poor loser who's trying to justify a poor outing by what is supposedly one of the best teams on the planet. It is certainly the most expensive team on earth, and you played against guys who are essentially making the minimum wage for professional soccer. DC United played Real Madrid in Seattle, Washington. 67,000 people packed Quest Field to watch United tie the world powerhouse 1-1. It was the largest soccer crowd in Seattle's history. Real showed much more class in the postgame than Chelsea's skipper. Real's Ruud van Nistelrooy said can, you can compliment D.C. United. They showed they are very good football players. See there, Jose? Now, was that so hard? More good news for MLS was the signing of an eight-year television broadcast deal with ABC and ESPN. For the first time in the history of the league, ESPN will pay... MLS to air MLS games. ESPN pays to produce the games as well, and they now have an incentive to promote the games. 
They will show on Thursday nights on ESPN2. The network will broadcast 26 games a year, plus three playoff games. The season openers, All-Star Games, and MLS Cups for the next eight years will air on ABC. It was also a good week for Red Bull New York. New York head coach Bruce Arena and new assistant head coach for life John Harks held their first practices with Red Bull. At the same time, the prodigal Frenchman has returned to the club with open arms. Yuri Jorkayev came back to the Big Apple after a month off, attending to, quote, family business and catching a World Cup game or two. Despite his prolonged absence, Bruce seems confident Yuri is ready. It was also a good week for Real Salt Lake. Just last Thursday, it looked like the team's stadium deal in Utah was dead. And owner Dave Checkets had set a deadline for the last weekend to get a deal done or sell the team. Well, that's when the governor got involved. He invited Checkets, Sandy, Utah Mayor, Salt Lake County Mayor Pete Caroon, and other central players to the governor's mansion on Friday to negotiate a deal once and for all. And by Saturday afternoon, Real Madrid's David Beckham was helping shovel the first loads of dirt as the team broke ground. I didn't think it was possible, but it looks like the final deal is something that gives everybody what they want. Real Salt Lake gets a stadium. The city gets a new Broadway-style theater district. Local kid teams get brand-new fields. Here's one thing I still don't get, though. Just last month, the county rejected a deal where they would pony up $30 million in bonds secured by hotel taxes. The team would put in $90 million, and the city of Sandy would fork over the final ten. The deal that was agreed upon on Saturday makes the county put up $55 million. See, the county thought that $30 million was too much, but apparently $55 million is okay. I don't get it, but you got to love politics. And it looks like Real is staying in Salt Lake. It was also a good week for the Vancouver Whitecaps and the Michigan Bucks. Vancouver won their second W League title in a row. The Whitecaps pounded the Ottawa Fury 3-0 in front of 4,000 fans. U.S. national team member Tiffany Milbritt had an assist on the first goal. The Michigan Bucks claimed their first ever PDL championship in Laredo, beating the appropriately named Heat 2-1. Almost 7,000 fans showed up in West Texas to watch. That's almost as many viewers as the average attendance for the Red Bull games in New York City, the largest city in this country. And this game took place within spitting distance of the home of Friday Night Lights. This is football country, American football country. And almost 7,000 people show up for a soccer game. That's great. The Bucs were the lowest-seeded team to ever win the PDL. They entered the playoffs ranked 13th. Of course, they lead the playoffs ranked number one. Well, not everyone was having a good week, however. Houston's Brian Ching had to have arthroscopic surgery on his right knee. He had injured it during the All-Star game but played two games for Houston since then. The surgery repaired his torn meniscus. He's expected to be out for four weeks. Kansas City's Jimmy Conrad is also on the injury list. He will miss four to six weeks with a fractured jaw. Conrad broke his jaw during a match with the New England Revolution. Actually, technically, Clint Dempsey broke Conrad's jaw when Dempsey threw an elbow going up for a ball. As a result, Clint Dempsey has been suspended for two games and fined $1,000 
This is the third time this season that Dempsey has been suspended, making him the league's unofficial bad boy, at least until Dima Kovalenko comes back. However, despite the fines, it does at least buy him some street cred in the rap music industry. It was also a bad week for the U.S. men's national team. The Yanks fell to 23rd on the latest FIFA Coca-Cola rankings. They had dropped to 16th following the World Cup. Somehow they become much worse, according to FIFA, even though they haven't played a single game since they were booted from Germany. And I'm not sure if this is good news or bad news, so let's just call it news. English club Aston Villa has a new owner, the Cleveland Browns. Browns owner Randy Lerner paid $118 million U.S. million for the historic Birmingham team. Last year, the owner of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers bought Manchester United, so there is a trend of NFL owners getting excited about real football. By the way, let's hope Aston fares better than the last soccer team that Lerner was associated with. See, he was the towel boy for the Cleveland Cobras of the American Soccer League when he was a child. Neither the Cobras or the ASL still exist. However, no one blames Lerner for that. Well, at least not anymore. Well, there certainly was a lot of news, so I'm going to have to shortchange you on the scoreboards and schedules. But as I said at the beginning, we'll get all tuned up for the home stretch coming up next week. There's a lot to talk about. Some teams are getting close to their magic numbers, so make sure you look forward to that for next week. I need to give a big shout-out to the folks at SoccerOM.com for all of their support. For Soccer News IV, I'm Stephen Parr. Remember, Soccer News IV, it's in your veins.